Hey, Bill. Yes. You ready? I'm born ready. <laughs> <laughs> Can you bust us a funky beat to start episode 33? Right, this is episode 33 of On Taking Pictures. 33 episodes. Uh, well, 32. This will be 33. Uh, we're here each and every week talking about photography, talking about the art and science of making images uh, and, uh, you know, all that that entails. Sometimes a little bit of gear. Uh, I think we might talk a little bit of gear today. Not much, though. We just will. A little bit. Aren't we? Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Apparently not. Bill has put the kibosh. <laughs> you no. will not speak of the gear on this show. <laughs> the gear does not matter. It's <laughs> Okay. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me, the fancy curmudgeon, Bill Wadman. I like being a fancy curmudgeon. I think it works. I'm actually in a really good mood this week. I'm actually in a really good mood this entire last week. I think you should be, and and why don't we why don't we start out talking about that, Bill? If for those of you who don't know, Bill has embarked on a new photo project, doing a photo a day for the month of December, but but not just not just a snapshot, not just a, a simple photo. He's he's going a little crazy, aren't you, Bill? A little bit crazy, yeah. But you know, what's interesting is that I, as a somewhat manic depressive person, um, no, you, yeah, uh. <laughs> I am definitely on the upswing of my curve right now. So if anybody ever wanted to ask me a question that involved me being in a good mood, now is the time. Get them in, folks. It's not going to happen often. <laughs> 347-687-9411. Call now. Yeah, actually, that would be pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, so the, the, the project is going really well for you. Yeah, yeah I, I am. Uh, yeah, it's going really well. Um, I am uh, 10 days in. And, uh, and it's been going, uh, super so far. I haven't had any, as I would call them clunkers, I guess would be the word that some people mm-hmm. would use. Uh, in fact, I'm very happy with, uh, almost all of them. Uh, so well, what I'm finding interesting ab- about them as you're posting them each day is we're 10 days in and they're still fresh and different. You, you've, you've not repeated yourself or you, you've not fallen into any sort of, uh, sort of crutches that you're using on each one. You're really using this project to kind of explore some, some ground that you may have not visited in a while, as well as some new ground that may make an appearance in future work. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. Well, you know what it is? This is, a, it's about experimentation. It's about trying out different techniques. It's about seeing if I can, uh, do something a little different, you know? So, mm-hmm. so in some ways, just looking through these and, and trying to come up with new ideas. It's like they, they are experiments. They're right. You know, let's come up with an idea and see if we can actually make it happen. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is very much sort of, uh, I'm not, ha- I don't have a big crew. I don't have lots of big lights. Uh, what I'm doing is, is very much a sort of gorilla Dan Hill kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm shooting all these pictures to make this happen and do these composites a lot of times. Um, but, you know, it's a speed light or a few speed lights in a bag. It's not like this huge complex thing like some people would use in a similar situation. Uh, I don't what's know. more what's more challenging for you in terms of, of creating images, getting it all in camera, one shot or 
combining all these sort of disparate elements into a composite that works. Wait, which is, uh, I, I got the second half of the question. What's the first half? Getting things in, in camera in okay. one shot. Oh, okay. Which, which do I prefer? Which, which is more of a challenge? Oh, um, it depends on the shot. Um, I, compositing can be really hard and compositing can be really easy and, and, and the other way around too, you know, um, some of I, 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 I have done two of these pictures are pretty much straight out of camera or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some editing and, and clean up in Photoshop and Lightroom and stuff, but pretty much what was, what was, uh, in front of the, in front of the lens. Um, mm-hmm. the rest of them are some serious composites, you know? Uh, so it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, I like to get it in, in one shot if I can. The problem is some of the stuff that I'm doing are impossible sort of situations, you know, right. like working right. with animals. That's, that's or or children yeah yeah but you know what's interesting about it is trying to get uh the 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 connection between doing good work or doing bad work and my mood i think is fascinating uh you know i i shouldn't be that reactive to my own work mm-hmm. i or rather i feel like i shouldn't um that it's bad form that I go up and down based upon my work. Can you look back at your work and, and tell what kind of mood you were in based on the photograph? No, the mood usually comes afterwards, okay. <laughs> whether it works or not. Okay. Uh, I, I do get the high when I'm taking the pictures, like if things are kind of working and clicking and I know it's going to come together in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, I will sort of get this sort of buzz while I'm shooting, but usually it's like when I come home and I'm starting to put it together and it actually, it it gets over that hump. Remember back in school when you were like writing a paper and you would get to that point in the paper where you're, where it's like, Oh, it's hard, 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 uphill, uphill, uphill. And then you kind of got to this point which things started going downhill again. Like most of it was there. You just had to revise it and clean it up again. Yep. Tighten it up a little bit. Yeah. So when I get to that point in the pictures making these things, uh, that's when I sort of either I get this sort of, Oh, this is so exciting. Can't wait to put this one up or, uh, okay, that's good. That's finished. And usually to me, that's a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. if it's just okay. Um, but it's, but you know, it's fun to, to get out of my box a little bit, you know, and try to come up with new ideas. Coming up with something completely different every day is actually really, really difficult. Um, and well, these are yeah, very, especially conceptual. when there, yeah, especially when there are no, sort of uh barriers put up except your own right and and i don't have budget for fancy stuff or buying lots of props or you know Mm -hmm. i mean these are just random people who are coming to me and then we're trying to make something together you know some of them have access to an interesting place or we have the vague outlines of an idea like the guy was a violinist i said let's shoot you as a busker in the subway okay right that's all we got, you know, we, that's all we had at the time going into it. Um, okay. But then you know, let's, in fact, let's, that's a great shot. Let's tell a little story about that if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, because one of the things, one of the elements in that photograph that makes it work, and maybe you can put, we can link back to this one in the show notes. One of the elements in that photograph that makes it work was something that you didn't have readily available, but found a way to make work the, the, the stack. Right. Yeah. So we, we were shooting, uh, in, in this, um, we were shooting Todd in this, in this hallway, in the subway. 
And he's he's playing, and he had the thing out, and he, he I know that he has a little uh, sort of distortion box that he plugs in sometimes, and and he's playing, and and it was fine. The pictures were okay. I just didn't know what the twist was, like what what would make the picture interesting, and and for a lot of these, that's there's got to be something that makes it interesting, you know. With that first one of the ghost story, the interesting thing is the hand coming in about to you know grab the girl who's telling the story. Uh, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Right. Sure. Um, with even with the one of Claude, the deadline one, the interesting thing is the perspective that it's coming from above. Right. You know, right. Very films. unconventional angle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there had to be a hook, right? And and the hook wasn't quite there for for the one of Todd in the subway, the busker shot. And so we're sitting there, and, and I'm taking pictures, and we were there for like ten minutes, and the stuff I was getting was fine, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it in post. And then suddenly, I kind of thought. I said to Todd, I said, imagine if you had a Marshall stack next to you inside of the subway. And he just kind of smiled and he started laughing. He's like, yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. So I shot all this stuff not knowing if I could get a Marshall stack. And mm-hmm. I ended up just going into a music store and, and walking in with my camera and, you know, waited for people to look the other way and, and snapped a couple of pictures of a stack at the right angle, at the right focal length, the right distance and laid it in. And it worked, but I didn't know if it was going to work at the time. Right. I mean, I have a certain amount of uh, confidence in my skills and in the fact that I've done this kind of stuff before so that when I'm doing stuff like this, it it, it makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that I, I know what's possible and what's not or what should work and what shouldn't work. And sometimes I come home and I am completely missing some element that I should have shot differently. Right. Um, I, you know, for example, the one with the cat, I ended up shooting in the picture, the best picture of the cat looking at me straight in the camera. Uh, I was focused on Jamie in the background because I thought initially when I was taking the picture that he was the subject and the cat was the prop. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be the other way. Yeah. It ended right. up being the cat was the subject and he was the prop, but I didn't know that until I got home. And so when I got home and, and, and the cat's out of focus and I had to sort of cut around a bunch of other pictures of the cats to get a cat to fit in there looking at the camera and focus. It took a little while, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, and I, Mm -hmm. and it could have been another two minutes at, at the shoot. And I just didn't think of it because it's not what I was planning, you know? Right. Right. Um, but, but, but that sort of spontaneity, the going into it and seeing what you can come up with on the fly, that's half the fun, Mm -hmm. you know, cause you don't, you don't know if it's going to work. Um, I, I took that picture of Claude. I went in there, uh, and he was, he had his desk set up, he had his computer and whatever. And I started taking some pictures at a low angle by his hand and they were okay, but they weren't interesting at all. You know, even after I had it lit and it was only until I got up on a stool that I looked down and I was like, okay, well, there's a picture. Right. You know, that's, that's more, far more interesting than the other, than the other way. Um, but you don't know if it's going to work. Uh, and, and I don't have, it's not like I, you know, have the ability to spend three, you know, four hours shooting and lots of fancy lights. I'm working with speed lights on most of these. Right. You know, do, do you find that, that the adage that the sort of creativity begets creativity in, in doing these projects daily? Yeah. Does this, does this fill your pool or fill your cup to pull from for the next X number of months once you finish it? Um, I'm sure I will. The ideas that I come up with are the ideas for the project. Like as of yesterday, 
it's funny because I, I have a couple. Yesterday, I finished this picture of this woman jumping between these pylons out in out in uh, the the Hudson River. <clears throat> there was an old uh, pier there, and the pier had fallen, but the the struts were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shot that, and then I shot her, and, and I have her jumping between them, and that one worked. And I came home, and I actually I I didn't have somebody for the next week. I didn't have anybody scheduled. Um, part of the annoying thing about these projects is, is the scheduling, right? Cause not only are you shooting every day, but you're also trying to schedule and plan out the shots for the next few days all simultaneously. Sure. And maybe the one for Wednesdays put together, you know what you're going to do and you know the location, whatever it is, but Tuesday's vague or somebody had to cancel for Thursday and now you're juggling because, you know, but all the while you also have to be shooting that days and finishing. Right. It, right. Know? Well, um, and you're, and you're also kind of, as, as you just said, you're at the behest of your, your subjects because they're volunteering their time. Things may come up and that right. leaves you hanging and you have to have backups. Right. And, and, and I, that's the part of it. That's the part of it. That's frustrating, you know, mm-hmm. but the, but a lot of times the subjects come up with ideas, you know, the fact that Todd was a violinist made the idea of him busking an easy, okay, well, you know, what can we do with a violinist? That's not him up on a stage, right? Oh, we could have him in the subway, you know, um, with, with the, with the CAT scan machine, my friend, Jamie, he works at this big vet center, this vet hospital. And he said, you know, we have a CAT scan machine if you want to use it. And I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do with that? And there was two weeks that I was just kind of staring at it going, what can I do with a CAT scan machine? Should I stick a person in it? You know, should I, <laughs> right. should I have somebody in it and then show the screen that's like doing the reading and stick like a picture of Zool on it, you know, like, right. like it's Ghostbusters or something. Like I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I was like, you know, what? let's go for the cheap pun. Let's stick a cat in the CAT scan machine. Um, which has turned out to be very popular. It's turned out to be very popular, but I came home yesterday after shooting this girl yesterday morning so it was two o'clock, say I got home, I dumped all the pictures on. I had nobody lined up for the next four days and no ideas of what I was going to do with them, even if I did have them lined up. Right. Um, but in the pa- it, but last night, I booked three of those days and came up with ideas for them. So sort of the ideas that are coming are ideas that I'm going to use mm-hmm. here now. You know, um, it's, it's more, a lot of this is more of a confidence thing. The more you shoot, the more you you have the balls to shoot, you know. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Um, because you feel like, oh, you know, it's like um, I think I talked about this the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago. My friend who was a dancer, and I said, you know, why is it that when you get off stage, you're all pumped and you feel like you can, you know, rule the world? Uh, why is it that you lose that and you're nervous the next time? Like, why can't you hold on to that feeling? Right. It's, it's almost like you're doing it all over for the first time. Right. Exactly. Each time. Right. So the, the advantage of doing something like this project is that the, 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 uh, there, there's always the tomorrow is right there. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're pumped from today, you have another shoot tomorrow. So it's like this constant thing, you know, the The carryover is, is much more likely. Right. But then you do, if you do a picture that, that for some reason, uh, is, is less than you wanted it to be. Sometimes it could be a downer and pull you down for the next day. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's very much sort of like priming the pump and trying to keep the water level at a certain place. Um, it's tricky. It's, it's, it's as much of a mental thing as it is a, an artistic and a physical thing, you know, and you want to come up with interesting stuff, but you also, you know, want to do stuff that's possible. And then you also have to have the subjects that are the right people for it. I did a picture last week of these two, this couple at like a rehearsal around a piano where he's playing and she's singing on the other side. And they're kind of like obviously sort of falling in love during the rehearsal. 
uh, and it ended up looking like a like a movie poster or something. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites actually so far. Yeah, and and it worked out really easily because you know she's a singer and she's got that kind of nineteen fifties moxie ish kind of look. Um, and her boyfriend is the guy at the piano, so they're already automatically in love. So that's actually something of a real shot. Like I took, mm-hmm. you know, 150, 200 pictures of them, but that was actually a single frame. I didn't even comp that together or anything like that, you know? Um, so, so you have these people and I, I knew that she had a piano at her house. I knew she had this big space. I'm like, you know what? Let's get you and somebody else like around the piano. And that one came together pretty easily, you know, but some of them are harder to, to make happen. Right. Um, Well, and to your point, because she using rehearsal as an example, because she's an actual singer, the way she carries herself, the way she's holding the music, her body language, her positioning, it's all very natural. Yeah, true. You don't have to go, hmm, can you can we tweak this? Can you hold this? Can you you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. And, And she's an actress, too, which means that if I said to her, hey, can you cheat a little bit in my direction? You know, if she was looking straight at him, we'd get a profile complete profile shot of her mm-hmm. where in this case she turns you just you know she can turn her head just a little bit enough that we can see more of her face and that makes the whole thing feel a, a lot more real um even though it's fake <laughs> right. it's trying right. to make something you know it's, it's the it's the real of the fake um it's tricky and and they're fun you know the ones that people like are not necessarily the ones that i like the most which is also the really funny thing um, but Hey, you know, I'm 10 in and it's going really well so far. In fact, there's none that I don't like so far, Yeah, uh, which, is, which is a good thing, but you know, finding subjects is not easy. Now, how are you, you, you at some point you exhaust your circle, right? At, at some point you've, you've asked, uh, all the friends and family that you can. Yeah. What then? Yeah. What do you do? Uh, the, for these, uh, pictures, I, I'm lucky enough to have, a big enough circle of people on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot and people who have sat for me before that when I say, Hey, I'm looking for people for this thing. Uh, people generally get back to me, right? Cause mm-hmm. they, they want to be part of it, uh, which is exciting for me because it just makes it feel really real. You know, um, do you remember the moment in your, in your photographic career where that, that turning point, uh, it remember? actually came pretty early because, 365 portraits I needed a person a day which got out of control but I had maybe 450 500 people mm-hmm. sign up for that but th- but that was over time the first month was tough and I remember the first sort of public call I put out there was a couple weeks into the project and I put a I put a listing on Craigslist uh looking for people for the daily project and I got one girl and that begot another person and that, and it sort of spreads from there, you know, those people all see it and they want to be in it, uh, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and there are a few people in here that I contacted cause I was like, Oh, you know, I'd really love to have you in here because you know, you've got a great look like my friend Samar, who's the picture, the little, the second day of right. the shrunk so kind of Alice in Wonderland yeah. feeling, yeah. you know, she's like this beautiful Pakistani girl. So I was like, Oh, we got to get you in here, you know, to do a project, uh, do one, um, well, you know, so, go ahead. What, well, what's interesting, it, we, we've never really talked about this, and we talk about it from, from basically your side of the camera, but do you find that people still really enjoy being in photographs? I mean, there, there, there was a novelty to photographs in the, and being photographed in the early days of photography. 
has has that novelty worn off or are, do people still enjoy having their photographs taken i think the kinds of things that i'm doing which are a, it's not just you know a normal standard photographic headshot or anything like that where i'm having these people sort of play roles mm-hmm. i think that is still somewhat fun especially for people who have never done it before is it um, is it like a we're playing dress up type of a thing? Do yeah, you think? I think that there is, and I think that okay. it plays off of that childhood need to sort of mess around. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes the trick is getting them comfortable enough to actually play the part. You know, you need you need the you need them to give up their sort of adult sensibilities, right? And mess around a little bit, and sometimes that's hard to do. It's hard to it's hard to find good people. I have. Um, Let's see. Let's 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 actually do a number because it's it's interesting. Uh, in my folder of people, I have thirty-seven people who wrote in saying they wanted to be part of the project. Um, I have used maybe eight or ten of them so far, eight of them so far, um, and they they've been really good. And there's some people. There's a bunch of people in the rest of it that I'm still going to use. But then there's a bunch of people who wrote in who just it's it's not that they're bad subjects or they'd be. It's just that it doesn't spark any sort of – you look at them and, and what they have to offer and what they do for a living and you, you hope to find something that makes you go, oh, I have an idea for them. You know, mm-hmm. That girl's a DJ. I can totally do X, Y, Z or you know, that guy works at the vet or you know, whatever it is. And, and is it because you're coming into these shoots with some sort of idea of where you want to go or, or how it fits overall in the project? Or what what criteria are you using to select or deselect subjects? Uh, almost purely on whether or not an idea I come up with an idea and the idea could work. Okay. Um, so, so it's just that that initial kind of oh I see this yeah. person I see what they do I see where they live right I got this I think that the overall arc of the project which is to say uh, the, the 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 cohesiveness is me right mm-hmm. sure. so. I don't need to try too hard to make all of these things connect to each other because they do have a connection, which is the fact that I came up with, you know, I, I actually made the things happen. Right. So, right. so it's in that, that's my eye. That's my post-production. That's whatever the, all of those things sort of make them feel of, of, of one ilk, you know? Well, I, I, I think you're exactly right. And and we talked about this the other day where if you, I think when you, Though you, though you, the the tendency is maybe not to see it while you're in it, right? Because you're you're in it and you don't get to back up. I think when you look at this project, w- once it's completed, you're going to see that that they all look like they are part of the same world. Yep. If that makes sense, yeah. there's there, there's not going to be one that stands out and goes, oh, well, this one looks really out of place. Yeah, and I think that these are more consistent than the ones from last year. Okay. Um. Interesting. Yeah, which is which is really interesting from my point of view to look back because the stuff that I did last December was some of the best stuff that I've ever done, and I feel like I'm even better at it now. Although it's funny because the the pace of my uh, betterment uh, is slowing. I feel like I'm plateauing. Mm-hmm. Not like my ideas are plateauing or whatever it is. It's just that I'm, I, I have my style and my style is getting more and more refined, but it's not going up like a hockey stick anymore. It's kind of flattening off. 
Well, that's that's the thing, though, right? I mean, every every picture you you want to be your next best picture, mm-hmm. right? So there's yeah. there's this enormous. I mean, there's there's a, a great quote in the uh, the Sally Mann documentary. Just to go back to one of our favorites, one of my favorites, anyway, uh, where where she's talking about you know you want each next shot to be your best shot, but if it does turn out to be your best shot, you've just raised your own bar for what you have to do next. And it just gets to the point where it's impossibly high for even you to reach. It's true. Yeah. Because then, of this self-imposed pressure. But then theoretically you're bopping around up in the stratosphere and that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, the stratosphere is a good place to be. Sure. You know, you can't go wrong up there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, yeah, trying to find people that work is is a lot harder than you would think because you just can't take everybody because not everybody is an interesting photographic subject. Right. Yeah. And they may not fit. I mean, if you're if you've already got something in your head, um, you you don't want to compromise the subject, which would then compromise perhaps the end result. Well, that's the hard thing about portrait photography and things that involve people is that I am relying on the people in front of the camera to make the picture good as much as I am relying on myself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's difficult for somebody like me who's into control and wants to be able to put his name on it and say, you know, this is this way because of me. You know, I do all my own post. I, I, I do all my own lighting. I, you know, it's, I want my stuff to look the way it looks and to, to sort of resign myself to the fact that the person on the other side of the lens has some say in how this thing is going to look and whether or not I can get them to give me what I need to make my thing is, is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you, you seem to be open to uh, arguably a higher level of collaboration on this December project than you have been in the past. True. Like, you know, there's no way that I would have thought to make Everett's face that way in that sideshow picture. Mm-hmm. That was all him, you know, mm-hmm. him acting like a velociraptor or whatever he was acting like. <laughs> I don't think he was acting. There's video. <laughs> we're going to have to, you know what? We're, uh, we got to do that. Uh, we're going to do an ebook, I think, behind the scenes of all this stuff, right? Is that what we're thinking yes. of doing? Yes, that is what okay. we're thinking. So if anybody's interested in how a lot of these were done at the end of the month, you will be able to find out. Um, but it's there. Yeah, it's it's fun. You know, uh, one of the ones I did was this DJ shot. And it got to the point with the post that I it was not a photograph anymore. <laughs> Right. It was it was past a photograph. Uh and it kind of it made me tweet, you know, where's the line between photography and photo illustration? You know? It's uh it's blurry. Yeah. And it's getting blurrier over time. Sure. And and should there be a line? Well, and here's the thing. You you've got you've got photographers who are also compositors, okay, and, and, and do very realistic or what's oddly referred to as photorealistic composites. <laughs> yes. Which I always thought was kind of a strange combination. But anyway, but then you've got people on, on the, the other end who, like Burt Monroy, who right. are doing photorealistic illustrations and, and, and everything in between. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you, do you, do you like that kind of stuff? Um, I, I have an enormous amount of respect for Burt Monroy and I remember watching him back uh, on the screensavers with Leo Laporte. Remember back in the day on, on uh, I know it well. In fact, I've yeah. emailed with him a little bit. Uh, uh, huge talented. Yes. You know, he, I, I, I can't even fathom, uh, the amount of time. I mean, to spend a year or two years on a single composite is amazing to me. Uh, is it something that I would buy a print of and hang? Nope. But I respect the process and I respect his talent. Yeah. You know, you know what it gets me about Burt Monroy specifically mm. is uh, the fact that he's not scared to flatten things. You ever notice when yeah. he works? You, yeah. You he's watch like, oh, his, I take his, all this stuff and then flatten uh, these layers down. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. Every, no, you don't. <laughs> every time he does it. And, and I realize that at the level that he's doing it, he has to flatten. Or right. else he's going to end up with 400 layers in a, well, in a and, particular... And that's the thing. He still ends up with hundreds of layers yeah. after flattening. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's in a whole other world. And in fact, yeah. he like connects multiple documents together because his documents get too big. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah, uh, he's, uh, he, he really is amazing. If you, if you guys aren't familiar with Burt Monroy, uh, we'll put a link to his site in the show notes. He is... is arguably the king of, of photo illustrations like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't particularly like his work from the point of view of art, but I think that it's, I think that it's incredibly well done. Yeah. You know? I mean, staggering amount of detail. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a fascinating guy. And, and one of those people who uses Photoshop in a completely different way, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he, he, he will take, um, He'll be like, uh, oh, how do, how do you make um, lightning in Photoshop? And he'll be like, oh, I was messing around with these filters, and then I took this and inverted that and made a mask on that and went to this channel and did this selection and then ran this other thing, and I ended up with lightning right. one day. Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> you'll, you'll never hear him, well, I went to you know, shutterstock.com and found you know, blah. Right. It's, everything is, is created, is yeah. manufactured, yeah. is uh, uh, forged, yeah. if you will. yep. What do you think? I mean, just a quick little aside. What do you think of, let's say I took that picture of Todd in the subway. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a Marshall stack picture and I found a picture of Marshall stack, you know, just some person snapshot on Google images and used it inside of a composite. Uh, I'm, I'm not down with that. I mean, if you found it at a stock place that was, you know, royalty free or something yeah. like that. I, I'm not. I'm not keen on using other people's. Work. Okay, how I'm, small I'm, of a thing? What if it was a spoon on a table? Uh, you know what I mean. I, well, I mean, it, yeah, and it's that's a that's a tough call. That's like using a snippet of a song or a clip of a movie, or um, that's a tough thing. Yeah. I, I think if you're if you're integrating it into something, if it becomes you know a, a minor element in something greater. I think there's more leeway in my own sort of ethical filter. Yep. If that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but making it, uh, the subject, the main subject of something and, and not either crediting or, 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 uh, getting a license of some sort. That's, that's tough because you have to look at it as, you know, what if somebody used, you know, the, the, the coffee mug from the shot of Claude that you did right in their own composite. How would you feel about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good question. It's, 
It, it depends how how much uh, how many prints they sold of their composite, I guess. Right. <laughs> no. No. And, but- and that you know that being said, there there are a number of artists. One of the other artists that we want to talk about, Maggie Taylor, uh, uses vintage photographs, yep. alters them, uh, creates entirely new and and amazingly you know detailed uh, photo illustrations or composites. Is is that okay? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even in my own thing, the, you know, the, the apple getting cut on the girl's head, we ended up taking uh, liquid and, you know, spraying into the air and shooting the spray so I could get the little spritz coming out of the apple mm-hmm. as it got sliced, mm-hmm. you know, um, or or the fire in the first one. I happened to shoot fire. And so that fire is a fire that I shot. Now, would I have felt bad finding a, p- a picture of a fire on Google Images and sticking it in there? That I wouldn't have felt bad about because it's a picture yeah, of a fire, not. right? Sure. You know, it's like literally a snapshot um, and something that is in some ways already sort of a stock thing. You know, it's a picture of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so elemental that it's not really it's there's a point at which it becomes something becomes so elemental that I don't even know if it's art anymore. You know, even mm-hmm. if it's copyrightable, you know, sure. It's a picture of a brick wall. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know, it's just a brick wall. Um, it, it I, all the stuff that I've used so far, I've actually shot, but I almost feel like I should start a, uh, a folder on my machine that is all elements. Sort of, yeah. Just textures and tile walls, materials. brick yeah, walls, sure, you know, sure. speaker grills, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, people get like, uh, different skin textures so they can like comp them into people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Anyway, just an interesting aside. So where do you sit on the line between photography. I mean, we talked a little bit about Jerry Ulsman and uh, offline. I want to kind of bring him into the discussion. Sure. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Jerry Ulsman is kind of a monster compositor, uh, shoots on film and composites in the darkroom. He's, yeah. he's got seven enlargers in his darkroom that he takes uh, negatives and prints and bounces in between to create his his works, which that to me is a whole other level because you can't see what you're doing until it's done. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's definitely craft, right? We talk about mm-hmm. craft. It's also definitely coming up with something new that no one, I'm sure, I mean, people have obviously done darkroom art before and, and compositing and stuff, but he just took that to a whole other level um, in a way that makes him very sort of unique. It, it reminds me of, um, you know, that guy who plays guitar, Stanley Jordan. You ever yes. see him? Yes. And he plays with like two guitars. He's got like one on a stand and he like plays another right. one and he's tapping on both of them like he's playing pianos. Um, I think he was one of the first guys to really do that at that level. And and in some ways it kind of reminds me of that where he's this sort of unique person who, who sort of pushed the boundaries in a very specific direction mm-hmm. in order to get somewhere that other people hadn't been before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, you're right though. The, the idea that you were doing it even though he's taking – does he take all of his source images? I think he does. Okay. Uh, or maybe some – you know, maybe he borrows from from his wife, uh, his wife Maggie Taylor, who's also amazing. So you – if you know, if he's doing that kind of stuff, I mean in some ways he is as much a darkroom artist as a photographer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he is – In fact, I, I that's what makes him unique. Yeah, he walks the line between artist and technician yeah. uh, deftly. You know, I mean, he he he's in both of those worlds. 
Um, and again, you know, you're, when you're when you're in the dark room, you're taking, you know, imagine exposing a print or exposing an area of a print, and now moving to a different and larger, putting that paper down and exposing another area of the print. But you still can't see what you just exposed. And I you're know. doing this multiple times that, and you won't see it until you get it into the developer. With masks and registration. Yeah. And, yeah. and then is, it, is that a one-off? I don't, I don't know if he I, – I would imagine. Or is he somehow maybe shoots it the and final? Then, yeah, and then, or yeah, reverses it back to a negative somehow. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess he could he could finish the finished print, put a negative over it, expose that. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know right. you know what I mean? To like do some sort of weird like a contact. Yeah, like a, a reverse kind con- yeah, some kind of way to like do yeah, the other way around so it's like the light that gets through. Right. You know. Um got to be a way to do it. But absolutely. I mean, he's on a whole other that's a whole other realm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like and his but his wife uses Photoshop. She's a digital artist. Right. Right. But interestingly enough, her work in many ways is far more illustrative than his is. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Her, hers feels more like the mixed media stuff that you make in real life than than photography. You know? I would love to be as a as prolific but uh as as talented as she is she i think she's amazing i really do but isn't it interesting though that that there's these four quadrants and i'm I'm certainly not putting you or i in the same league as them but just for the sake of discussion here he's an analog guy doing photography she's a digital woman doing more uh more of a version of what you do in analog Right. She's the digital side of your analog. Right. Where he's the analog side of my digital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, which is kind of a – it's sort of these four quadrants of of, of the gig. Uh, uh, for those of you who may want to uh, see a little bit about um, Jerry Wilsman and, and Maggie Taylor, there's a, a really wonderful documentary. Uh, looks to be wonderful. I haven't seen it. I've seen the trailer. Um, but it's produced by Linda. Uh, I want to get the name of it right. Uh, it's called This Is Not Photography. And you can see the trailer. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, we should put it in there. I mean, so there's those guys, and then there's the, sort of the photo side of things, right? right. There's the the Dave Hills, the uh, the the uh, who else is on that kind of thing? Uh, Calvin Hollywood. He's another one. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Eric, uh, Johansson, is that his name? Uh, does some really fantastic photo composites. Calvin Hollywood. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. These are sort of towing the line. Yeah. You know, and then if you look at, you know, it's interesting is in some ways, even, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Jill Greenberg, in some ways, those things are so. There's a point in retouching that things become unreal. You know, yeah, absolutely. Light doesn't look like Jill Greenberg makes it look. Those people are retouched to within an inch of their life. You know, right, right. Um, it's 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 man, it's a really strange toe. It almost feels like um, some people end up in the same place. It's like what side they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Are they coming from the side of 
I am an artist. I'm an illustrator. I am a, a collage artist. And then I'm, I need photographs to make that collage work. Or is it the other way around where they're, I'm a photographer and a single image isn't doing enough for me, you know? Right. A single image isn't, isn't saying what I want to say. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like this guy's stuff. Yeah, this is totally right. Eric Johansson. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, he's really, really good. Yeah. I wish I had the time or energy to do this kind of stuff. Well, and that, that's the, that's the other thing, right? Is, is the ideas. number of hours that, that have to be spent producing one of these images. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not talking, you know, a three or four hour day. You're talking days or weeks, right? To create these. Yeah. And you know what? They're not actually that much money. Oh, for his prints? Yeah. No, they're pretty reasonable. Wow. That's interesting. I may have to uh, partake, put a little art on the wall. There you go. Uh, his stuff is really beautiful. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, a lot of it, come, it comes it comes down to the ideas, right? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who are who are like I am certainly not the best at this stuff. Um, there are people who are far better than I. I'm I'm definitely coming at it from the point of view of I am a photographer who wants to make something that I couldn't get in a single shot, right? Um, and then beyond that, a lot of times it's, oh, that's kind of a neat idea. Could I actually make that work? Sometimes it's a challenge to myself, but it's rarely that I'm actually trying to make something that looks like an illustration, you know, or looks fake. I Ultimately, I want it to look like it's a single shot, even if it's not. Do Where some find- of his stuff, maybe that's the line, mm-hmm. you know, is, is does this look like a single photograph? Well, then you're on the line to the side of a photographer. Does this look like it's a composite because this is unreal or couldn't happen in real life? Yeah. See, and that's, that's kind of what I was going to go with on, on my next question. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. Do, do you find that you're, that you're leaning, you're leaning that way more in your professional work as well? Or do you try and keep the two separate? Uh, most of the people who hire me for my professional work want much more traditional portraiture. I wish they would want this kind of stuff. Although t- sometimes I wonder if I am wrong to wish for that because um, the, 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 the downside of that is that this kind of work is far more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. If I told you, oh, I'm going to take this picture of this girl jumping between these pylons and you've got to give me $5,000 to do it for some advertisement. And they're just like, oh, what's it going to look like? And I'm like, well, I can't show you until I actually do it. Right. You know, and what if they don't well, like it, it? What if they come back and say, yeah, you know, that way she jumped just wasn't. We like right. to have her can, left. Can you jump? Fo- can you can she jump again? Can we have her left <laughs> foot in front or you know, whatever yeah. the stupid thing is? Right. It's you can't guarantee that kind of stuff as easily. And I don't have the skills to sort of. You'd almost have to do a rough version, which in right. some ways is what I'm doing in these. These are certainly, I mean, they're, they're good and I'm proud of them and they're finished, but I'm doing these in a matter of hours, not in a matter of days. If I was doing sure. one of these for a client, there'd be much more pre-production. Sure. There'd be much well, more yeah, like on, planning. On some level, this whole project is one big previs, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, they're finished pictures, and yes, you're 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 treating them as 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 client shots in a sense. But but the entire thing, this is a playground for you. Yes, exactly. You know, right. and w- you know, one of the other questions that, that that I have about this type of work, especially for kind of the, the stuff that Dave Hill does, 
does the budget go up exponentially to account for all these extras and production cost and time spent in post? Oh, I'm I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that yo, yeah, 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 certainly. Although it's funny because the price for even normal boring pictures is high nowadays. I I was walking um I was with yesterday's subject Summer and her boyfriend Josh yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking around after we did the shoot, we were just taking some sort of fashiony pictures of her cuz she had a great look. Um around Meatpacking District, which is over uh, south of 14th Street over on the west side. Mm-hmm. And there's all these cobblestone streets and it's where they do a lot of fashion shoots and that kind of stuff. So we were just looking for a good wall to sort of shoot her against. And we found we come around the corner to a fashion shoot going on in the middle of the street. And it's, you know, some beautiful woman walking kind of across the street and then going back and walking across the street. And there's a photographer five feet from her as she walks, snap, 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 snap. Okay, go back, snap, 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 snap. Now, if I was doing this shoot, that would be it. You know, there was, it would be me and her. Right. right? And maybe her friend or boyfriend or whatever. Yes, exactly. Right. Or maybe if I had an assistant, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. If I was doing it for a gig and, you if, know, if Claude didn't have anything else going on. Exactly. I mean, this is assuming that I would be doing this like for this project or whatever it is. Right. Right. So it was her, the model, it was the photographer. There was an assistant with a 48 inch bounce underneath the photographer walking kind of hunched over around with him. Mm-hmm. There was a hair guy who kept going up and fixing her hair and twirling it around and fixing makeup and whatever. There was a photographer taking pictures of the photographer taking the picture of the model. There okay, was kind of, a, kind of a BTS shooter type thing. I'm assuming so. Yeah. Okay. There was a guy doing audio for that guy. Maybe he, maybe it was video that he was shooting and, and this was, you know, there was a guy doing audio for the video. There was a tripod set up with a top on it and a laptop and a, and a dark bag so that, and there was three people around that who were looking at, I'm assuming the images coming <laughs> off of the camera. Right. Right. So, so you've got maybe photo editor, up, art director. Right. Exactly. So all yeah. of a sudden we're up to seven people and this is like a girl walking across the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were no lights. There were no whatever. How bad could these pictures look? It was some beautiful model walking across the street. Right. Right. If the guy went out there with her and took 200 pictures and came in, you don't think one of those 200 pictures would work? <laughs> It, at a certain point, this stuff sort of, it, it, it feeds on itself. Right. Where it's like people think you need these huge productions to do these things. Mm-hmm. And there are times when huge productions make your life easier. Or, you know, we have six hours to do this and we have to do X, Y, Z and we have this specific shot list. But this was very obviously sort of a fashion-y kind of thing. Not like a, a you know, a, a fancy, not not an ad that was very, very specific or peculiar, you know. Well, and, and with the state of, of photography, with media, with the quality that you can get in relatively inexpensive equipment, for every one of those seven to ten person shoots, there's, there's you know, uh, shoots of two or three like, like you're doing. Uh, right. I would imagine just as many of them, if not more. Uh, absolutely. I know. But it, it's funny when you get to a certain level, people think you need people. It's sort of a, uh, it's, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, if it's mm-hmm. a fancy shoot, it's got to have a lot of fancy people around. Right. Right. When, but then you, you go back two weeks ago to your, to your short film that you did with Claude, you had for a film crew, you had a crew of what, four or five people? No, no, no. It was me and Claude. Okay. So th- you and Claude and me then and the Claude actors? Me and Claude and two actors. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Claude's making a movie. Um, absolutely. On, no. on gear that you can buy yes. off the shelf. Yes. But it's funny. <laughs> but at the point at which you start doing stuff commercially, though, it just it sort of balloons for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that back in the day, you needed all those people more than you need them now or uh, you know what back in the 50s and 60s you probably didn't need them as much and i think in somewhere in the 70s 80s and 90s there was this huge bump in sort of the involvement of everyone in the ad industry Mm -hmm. that oh we have to be here for this shoot because you know that's that's the way it worked right and everyone's like doing everyone's got to put their thumbprint yeah everyone's doing drugs in the bathroom and you know whatever the thing is right middle management has to justify their position somehow exactly Right. And I think that still it's that way in advertising. It's still that way in publishing to the point where like these people wonder why they can't afford to, you know, do this stuff for the budgets they were talking about. Well, it's because you have seven guys when you needed three, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like did did those people really need to be there? Um, Anyway, it's just, it was just interesting that we were taking very similar pictures and, you know, it was just me and her essentially. Right. Um, It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. But um, the, the other thing is that some of these I'm, I'm pre-visualizing, right? I'm, you know, I, I have an idea, a specific idea of what I want. Um, and I go in and I end up getting very much like I wanted. Like that sideshow shot is pretty much what I wanted. The picture of uh, the rehearsal is pretty much what I wanted. But some of them I go in, the picture I was going to do with the cat was completely different than that. And I noticed when I got in there that it was not, it was a fine angle, but it was kind of boring from the other side, sort of. Uh, if I went to the other side of the table from where Jamie is in that picture of him and the cat and sort of had the cat aiming towards me, you know, with sort of a, more of a, a side portrait kind of shot. Right. And I went around the other side of the machine and it was much more interesting looking down the tube of the machine to do the shot. And that's what I ended up doing. But you know, if I came in and I had sold the client on this other idea and then I get in there and realize that there's such a better idea available that I just didn't see it first. Mm-hmm. You know, do you even say anything to the client? Cause that makes you look like an idiot. Like, you know, well, I got in there and there's actually a better way to do this. Well, why right. didn't you think of that before? Yeah, better, better than what I pitched you on. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, that's a hard conversation to have. So then you end up taking this picture. That's probably not the best, out, the best you could have done mm-hmm. just because it's the one that they, you sold them on initially, you know, it's interesting. And how much does that, how much does pre-visualizing, tie your hands to the serendipity of, of creativity. Well, look, I think it depends on the complexity of the end product. I think it depends on how many moving parts, uh, you've got or how many balls in the air you've got. Yes. You know, uh, if you've got a a shot in your head that, you know, is going to have four or five or six or 10 plates, that's a lot of moving parts. You've got to get those kind of sorted. Otherwise you you're liable to get through plate three and then go, well, shit, now I don't, now what do I do? Yeah. It's funny because like on that picture of the cat, for instance, on the other side of the machine, cause this is the back of the machine. On the other side of the machine, there were all kinds of controls and stickers and signs and whatever it mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. And I really am kicking myself for not having taken a picture of that side of it so that I could bring all of those things, elements, elements into the ring around. Sure. You know, and I only noticed after I got home, I was like, God damn it. I should have, you know, gone in and shot that differently. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know, but you you don't see that coming. And I guess those, those are the, the upside and the downside, right? If you, if you control it too much, you can get stifled by like, 
stifled by the expectations of what you were going to get. Sure. And but but that and that in and of itself doesn't allow for the happy accidents. Right. But it does better guarantee consistency. And in some jobs and in some projects, it's consistency that matters. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we don't want the best thing. We want the best thing that we can get that you can guarantee me you can get. Right. Um, and that's and that's that's the, a lot of the difference between sort of amateurs who want to go want to do photography professionally is 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 that guarantee to be able to deliver. There's lots of people who've taken really great pictures, but can you take that same picture again? Do you know what you did to get take that picture? Mm-hmm. You know, do you, if you have a picture in your head, do you know what you have to do to make that actually happen? You know, focal lengths and lighting. And, and if you're setup doing it professionally, and, can you do it quickly because the client doesn't want to pay for you to test? Exactly. You know, so I mean, in some ways, those are the those are the differences between pros and amateurs is more more uh, almost competency, but I don't mm-hmm. mean to say competency, right? Because it's not that the the amateurs can't take good pictures. It's like, it's more of a, uh, a, 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 a higher lowest common denominator in a particular right. photographer. You know? Well, and it's, it, it's an experience with, look, the, the more that, the, that you have, have gone through these particular situations, the better equipped you're going to be to be able to handle it. You know, we, we've talked about Joe McNally and speed lights and, you know, Joe McNally could probably spend 20 seconds sizing up any given location and get in the ballpark within the first couple frames yeah. of what he needs to light. Although you know, how interestingly light. enough, when you see like videos of him and stuff, or you even did you see you saw him on stage once, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, he was doing exactly what you'd imagine he would do in real life, which is set up some lights, take a couple frames. Oh, that doesn't work. That one needs to come up. That one needs to come down. You're troubleshooting in real time, right? Sure. Um, sure. And I think that in many ways, that's still what happens to any photographer it's just that a lot of times you don't see that initial setup stuff you know if you're watching a behind the scenes of annie Leibowitz, you don't think that by the time the the behind the scenes cameras go on she's taking test shots of everyone on the crew during in that lighting <laughs> right right, right, know, right set up exactly how bush and his team are going to be i mean sometimes you see the behind the scenes shots you know the sort of previs shots with different actors mm-hmm. um to get everything right uh that stuff still happens there uh, it's just that you know, other people are just better at faking it, I guess. Um, speaking of which, man, speed lights. I'm You're loving to, them, aren't you? Lately? Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. am. Uh, it's amazing what you can do with. I, I carry three with me. Um, all in manual mode. And I just I just I I use them as like little battery powered monolights. Sometimes hard, sometimes with a you know uh, through an umbrella, sometimes through a little softbox, uh, sometimes with gels, and it's I, I'm I am I'm getting better at making speed lights not look like speed lights. Yeah, that's be, kind of become your little kit now. Yeah, there's a lot of people who shoot speed lights and it ends up just looking like a little handheld flash. Um, I want my speed light work stuff I do with speed lights to look like it's you know, shot with big lights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, and I hope I'm successful. In fact, all of the, all of the pictures in this project so far, except for that sideshow, uh, and the one of the twins, Ooh, the freaky one with the paper doll. <laughs> yeah, paper doll. Yeah. 
um, those are all, all the rest of them are shot with speed lights. And it's like, you know what? There's very little that I don't think I can do nowadays, especially you don't need to shoot at ISO 100 anymore. Right. You know, back yeah, in the day, you can get away with 800, yeah. 600. Yeah. You know, whatever. I, I was shooting at like 640 or 800 or whatever it is for a lot of these shots. And then I'm shooting these little speed lights at 16th power, 32nd power, you know, like just pop, just little tiny right. pops. And it's like you have control and you have, you know, it's a backpack, which is nice to not have to carry, you know, a road case, mm-hmm. a, a rolling road case. Yeah, right, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You want to, what are we, we're probably, we should probably do our Squarespace. We should stuff. talk about Squarespace. Man, Squarespace is really good. So if you want a high quality website or blog, Squarespace is for you. Um, so they're a hosting company, but they're also the software behind the host. So you get this entire sort of content management system, uh, that comes with it. They're, they're, they're great. And they're great to us. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and both of us have played around on the other side with WordPress, but it can also be incredibly time consuming. And you don't, you want to be taking pictures. You don't want to be doing your website. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Squarespace, all drag and drop. Uh, it's the templates, man. That's some of these new templates. You see the new ones they've added? They're pretty cool, yeah? Yeah, they're totally cool. In fact, I'm going to yeah. pull them up right now so I could say which one I liked because there's a couple new ones. Flatiron, have you seen this one? Yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, all responsive. So yeah. they're going to look great whether you're on that 30-inch cinema display or your brand new 27-inch iMac or on a phone. Um, yeah, which is nice. Yeah, complete. Yeah, completely sort of uh, uh, device independent, uh, responsive all the way down to a phone. Um, I love the idea, the fact that it's like you can pull in your existing blogs, you can export, push out to other social media, you can just, you know push out to uh, to Facebook and 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 Twitter and that and the like. Um, it's so great and and so easy to use. I mean, you know, my mother could use this stuff, which yeah. is actually really nice. Fantastic support too. Yeah, you're going to get a person if you call in. They, yeah. they actually have support people. It's not a. It's not just well, go look at the wiki or go look at the knowledge base yep. and search. In fact, uh, I, you can I've, actually talk to a person. I've actually uh, been in an office next to the support people, sitting at their computers talking to people, which was actually pretty impressive. And they're actually knowledgeable people, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. But they're good, uh, good themes. Uh, if if you want grids of images, they've got you covered. If you want uh, endless scrolling. They've got you covered. If you want big, you know, full screen, full page images, there's a, a fantastic theme called Aviator that that just fills the browser with Ooh, images. That one's really good. Isn't that sexy? All right, I'm. Oh, this is so painful. This is really nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, just just so you all know, BillWadman.com will be under redesign again, again. <laughs> for the next couple days. <laughs> this is what happens to me. I just I, I fall in love with new templates, and I want to start. I want to redo my site. Yeah. So uh, check them out. Social uh, media integration, as Bill mentioned, is great. Um, yeah. Good stuff. They, uh, uh, they, they let you um, – oh, front row. Man, they're good. These templates are fantastic. Yeah. They're good stuff. Man, there's nothing you – know, you know what it is? There's a lot of sites out there. There's a lot of systems that you, know, you can get templates or whatever it is. The trick is finding ones – that don't look like everything else out there that don't look like your normal blog that don't mm-hmm. look like, and also don't look like they were done five years ago. 
I mean, finding right. ones that are like really modern looking with great fonts because these all these Squarespace templates, a lot of them use all these Google fonts. Right. These so Google you can have fonts. great typography. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, so if you don't, uh, if you if you want to, you want to set something up. If you go to squarespace.com/otp, uh, you can start a free trial with no credit card required. Uh, but when you're ready to purchase Squarespace, you want to try it out and you like it, uh, go back, use the offer code. What is it, Jeffrey? Uh, the offer code is what you should all be doing anyway. Take more pictures. <laughs> Take more pictures. One word. Take more pictures. All one word. Uh, I don't believe it's case sensitive. but uh, uh, No, but all one word. And uh, that'll get you a 10% discount when you decide to buy. Hey, they uh, also include a free domain name. They do. So that's that's going to give you another, what, 12, 15 bucks if you're doing a .com yeah. domain. Yeah. Uh, and and these guys are really great. Man, those templates are really nice. Great analytics. Uh, that's, that's worth mentioning, and there's, too. And there's, there's an app for your phone, too, to, to be able to control the site, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. They're just – you know what it is? They are – it's it's web hosting done right. You know this is yep. this is this is how it should be uh, for everybody. So uh, you want to set up a blog, you want to set up a portfolio, you want to set up a, a new site for your business. Uh, you want it to look great. You want it to be easy. You want it to be affordable. Squarespace is for you. Um, Squarespace.com, the secret behind exceptional websites. What else do you want to talk about? What's what's news? What's going on? What's going on, Bill? There's stuff going on in the world. What's going on? Hey, film is not dead, despite what keep, Kodak keep, wants you to Keep telling to yourself that, Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's not uh, – the old girl has seen better days, that's for sure. But, but Ilford uh, has released two new black and white film cameras, disposable black and white film cameras, uh, XP2 and HP5, which HP5 was, was my favorite black and white film. Now, what's the difference between XP2 and HP5? HP5 is really punchy, okay. really high contrast, uh, which is is something that I like quite a bit in my uh, black and white work. I like really high contrast stuff. Okay. Uh, also, the the XP2 is a it's a C41 black and white. Oh yes, 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 yes. I have used so that before. You don't have to have some you know any place that can do your color film can process the XP2 film because it's the same chemistry. Whereas HP5 is is a different chemistry. It's its own yeah. black and white you chemistry. Could take, you could take the XP2 to CVS and get it done. Yeah, yeah. Or Costco or you yeah. know Walmart or wherever you're going. Yeah. So do, you, do you like those monochrome color films like that? Um, it's, it's a different look. You know, it's... It's desaturated uh, color is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's... Again, it doesn't have the punch that I normally like. I mean, you can you can get it there if you're if you're post processing anything, but uh, I tend to like. Um, I also like the grain of HP five. Sure. Um, and I don't think you know the XP two for me anyway doesn't doesn't have kind of the same look. So I like that. You know what's kind of crazy is that uh, Apple Kodak like has all <laughs> of these patents on digital cameras. Yeah, you know, they imaging technology. Yeah, they yeah. they essentially developed all of this technology in the first place. But somehow, you know, this is a good. I was talking to Heather about this the other day. Kodak will forever be a business school case study of a company that was terrified about eating its own children and therefore died. Sure, you know, we can't put out digital cameras because we sell a billion rolls of film a year. Sure. Well, you know what? Eventually, you're not going to be able to sell film because. 
no one's going to want it. They're all going to want digital cameras, in which case you're going to be behind the curve. And that's what happened. Um, I remember my father had a Kodak digital camera. I don't think Kodak actually made them, though. I think they OEM them from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was one megapixel. No, it was less than one megapixel. But it was uh, 640 by 480 wow. digital camera. Man, I wonder if that's still in a drawer somewhere. Because that would actually be fun to take pictures with now. Yeah, you should dig that out. See if you can find it. It was pretty pretty rough. Um, so what's happening now is that Apple and Google are going to team up or trying to team up to buy their imaging patents for half a billion. Which is, it's strange to me because Apple, Apple could easily afford to buy them on their own. Uh, yeah, but maybe they, maybe this is like a place where they just think, you know what, let's just buy them with the other big guy and then we will do all like a big patent share. And mm-hmm. everyone will be able to get them. The thing is, is that, um, be, it, well, because Google and Apple are coming in, but then on the other side, Microsoft and 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 Rim bought Nortel's patents. They got together and did it. So right. maybe this is Apple trying to keep it away from. I don't know. Maybe they're going to use them against uh, Canon and Nikon. Like I don't know what exa- you know what these patents are. Yeah, what's the end game there? Right. Exactly. Um, but it's 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 terrifying to think that these people, you know what we should do? We should actually get the on taking pictures world together. We all pitch in say a million dollars <laughs> and go up against Apple and Google and we could buy them together. I think we should put a Kickstarter together. <laughs> think that's a bad idea. Oh, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We've got a Kickstarter project <laughs> yeah. to outbid Google and Apple. In the news today, Apple and Google were outbid by, <laughs> by on taking pictures. the podcast on taking pictures and its <laughs> listeners, who will now be suing Apple and Google and Microsoft and Canon and Nikon see, and Sony. So you, that's the thing, gang. You, you've just got to see. You've got to see the upside. You've got to see the long term. Sure, it's going to cost you a million now, but think about down the road. You, you got to think big. You know. <laughs> you don't think that's true. Oh, no, I think it's a fine idea. I'm going to let you spearhead that particular initiative. Okay, I'm going to get on that. I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> Would you do that, please? I, you know, it's it's sad to me, though, that that it's come down to Kodak surviving by just selling its crown jewels. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, you know, last week we talked about the fact that Kodak is, is, is down to 98% of its sales for film in the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. So they're going to stop making film soon. It's just going to happen. You know, I mean, they go out of business. No one's going to keep doing this stuff. Sure. I remember I mentioned once before, but I remember somebody saying the problem is, is that Kodak can't just make less film because it's because it's a chemical process. It's not just about doubling or having the recipe. Right. That you actually have to basically re-engineer the recipe for a smaller batch. Well, and, and the, the affordability comes in Scale. producing 10 billion feet of film exactly. a year, right? Yeah, right. So, I mean, even if, but even if they could do half as much for twice the price and people would have to spend $8 a roll for film instead of four or five, mm-hmm. I don't know that supposedly they basically have to start from scratch in formulating the new formulas. Right. Basically re-engineer the entire process. Yeah, which is just crazy to me because, I mean, this is, these are the things that we forget working in the digital world because in the digital world, you're just like, oh, just make that JPEG half as small. Boom. 
you know? Yeah, done. Yeah. Where in the analog world, they're like, oh, that's actually really hard because, you know, we have to have this kind of lens and, you know, this thing is actually designed to only shrink down to 66% and not right. whatever the thing is, right? Well, and, and that's that's why you're getting, you know, Impossible Project, their Polaroid film, their version of it is, you know, $4 a slice. Yeah. And, and initially was very uh, finicky, right? The first couple mm-hmm. batches were very up and down and all over the place mm-hmm. because they didn't, they didn't have, they were running the Polaroid machines, but they didn't quite have it down exactly the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the things that you forget. I mean, it used to be in the film days that if some photographer was going to do a new project, he'd buy a big chunk, like bricks of film and actually do tests on a, on a single roll because that whole brick came from a single batch. Right. So he could do tests, like exposure tests and whatever it is on, on a roll or two. And then he would know how the rest of it was going to come out and, and change his workflow accordingly to get what he wanted to get. Right. And, and that became, that was because there was a certain amount of consistency. Now I've shot a bunch of different kinds of rolls of film. I've shot a lot of Portra 400 and Portra 160, and I am not the level of film shooter where I ever noticed any variation in from roll to roll within a mm-hmm, particular mm-hmm. like brand. you could say well this came from a different batch right i but, i never noticed that but there right, were people right. who were big kodachrome users or whatever who would notice if it was a new batch or when well, they reformulate these things kodachrome yeah. was mind-numbingly complicated to 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 develop i mean yeah the, you it's know, like a this, 16 this is, step process or something yeah and the chemistry you couldn't mix the chemistry a month in advance and just wait for it you know just just stockpile it and use it yep. the chemistry had to be mixed at the time of processing. Yeah. And let's talk about the, the, the uh, uh, environmental side oh, yeah. of all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. This yeah. Not nasty. exactly a friendly process. No. <laughs> this stuff is, is really gross and awful. Yeah. Um, and so it's like you know, the fact that we're moving on to this digital thing. I mean, in some ways, I don't know. In some ways, I think it's a good thing. I, I, in some ways, I do think it's a good thing. On a on a gear standpoint, I mean, and we've talked about this several times. The thing that I liked about gear, film gear, is uh, you know, a hundred dollar K one thousand Pentax K one thousand is going to shoot basically the same photograph as a three thousand dollar F six, right? Because it came down to film. True. I mean, there are features and 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 that kind of thing that you're going to have on the higher dollar cameras, but. The film was the great equalizer, whereas now uh, there, there's a big difference between uh, a low-end digital camera and a high-end professional DSLR in, in, in terms of high ISO support and noise and color. Yeah, but even the low-end ones have get crazy quality too, don't they? Uh, I think we're yeah we're getting to that point now. Sure, I mean you, the, the the entry level. T4i from from Canon is a fantastic camera, right? Um, and and can take pictures that of you know my 5D three years ago, four years ago couldn't have dreamt of. Well, it, it, true and uh, interesting little and it did dream side of it. Note. Cameras yeah. dream. Did you know? Uh, do what? Cameras dream. Cameras so dream. It, it of dreamt of it. Cheap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Patrick uh, was at uh, a club the other night taking photographs of uh, a friend of his, Taylor Negron. And he, he was using the 5D, the original 5D, couldn't get focus, couldn't get what he wanted, took out his, uh, his little Fuji X10 or X100, whatever he's got, 
and uh, got beautiful shots. Ended up ordering his 5D3 the next day because it just it, it, it couldn't it couldn't deal with the situation. Well, that's also a five year old camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that little Fuji, I I bumped into a guy on the subway the other day on the way to the veterinary gig, the the cat scan one. Cat scan. <laughs> it's a cat getting scanned. Oh, so cheesy. Um, <laughs> and the guy walks on and he had what's the what's the little the Fuji something ten E or hundred E? One of them have an E at the end. There's an XE one. There's a Pro X one. Okay, maybe it's the XE one. No viewfinder? Electronic viewfinder. Yeah, that's the XE1. Okay. Uh, I, I, I tapped him on the shoulder. He took his headphones off. We chatted for a minute. Um, he loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, although I picked it up to my eye, and even though the electronic viewfinder was pretty good, I didn't really see – it wasn't really pixelated. It was pretty high res. It still – it felt like I was looking I'm, – I'm looking at a screen. You, you know? still feel like you're watching TV. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just it just it just doesn't do it for me. Is is that Although, a psychological limitation, or do you think they just haven't gotten there with uh, with pixel count and these little these little viewfinders yet? Are you saying I'm a curmudgeon? <laughs> Get uh, off my lawn. <laughs> one of the nice things about it was that th- there is exposure compensation inside the viewfinder. So even though we were on a kind of a you know darker, dimmer subway train, the uh, the finder was bright. You mm-hmm. know that I could see everything. Um, it just, it just felt awkward to me. Although he says that friends of his have the ones with the optical viewfinders. What were the right. pro That's one the pro X one, okay. right. Or X pro one. Yeah. Apparently, but there's a, there, is there a, uh, accessory EVF? It, there's a get? hybrid viewfinder. You can select between optical or, okay. or, uh, he says almost EVF. all of them invariably switch to the EVF mm-hmm. that the, I've heard, I've heard good things about it right now. The thing is, is that, I mean, is the question is, is the viewfinder just not good enough? Like if, if, you know, is the viewfinder in the M9 good enough? Because that's, you know, a standard like a viewfinder that everyone swears by. And it's just that these optical viewfinders and these little Fujis just aren't up to the task. You know, he did say, though, that the 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 quality is excellent, mm-hmm. like like better than his friend's 5D2. Wow. Which, you know, I believe, but I can't believe. But then at the same time, you know, Fuji made the glass for all the Hasselblad H series hmm. for years. You know, that's all Fuji glass. So obviously Fuji knows how to make lenses. Right. Well, and they're, they're using a different sensor technology. They're not using the, the typical Bayer sensor that most DSLRs use. They're, they're using not? No, it's, it's called an X-Trans. Is that uh, and sort of records, like a Foveon thing? Uh, no, it doesn't. Foveon records, the way I understand it, records each color independently. Okay, Yes. Uh, the, the, the X-Tran is a different type of technology. It's the, the arrangement of the pixels on the sensor or the, the, the receptors on the sensor. Okay. Uh, supposed to be just amazing quality though. Interesting. I mean, the thing is that, I mean, like the one he was playing with, he said it's like, uh, eight, 900 bucks. And then the lens yeah. is a few hundred bucks. So for 14, 1200 bucks, you could probably get a little walk around camera. Mm-hmm. The problem is I just don't walk around with a camera, you know? Uh, would I use this with strobes? Would I use this in a studio setting? You know, it might, I mean, those are the places where I think a digital SLR is probably still a better idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. would like to see one. I, supposedly the build quality is also superb on these uh, cameras. They felt good. It's just, I don't know, for some reason, the, 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 the way that they feel in, in my hands, I mean, it felt good. It just felt 
like it felt like a grown up version of my cell phone, not a small version of my Leica. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. I don't know if that's fair, but that's how it felt. I don't know. I'll let you know. We're going to Sammy's uh, later in the week to check them out. I'm going to look at, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at the uh, OMD EM5. Is that an Olympus? Yeah, it's their Olympus Micro Four Thirds. I just want to see what all the hubbub is about. A couple places have have called it Camera of the Year, and I just kind of want to see it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, if I you know if I was independently wealthy, would I get one of these to carry around with me? Sure. Yeah. But I don't know if that I could use it as my only camera. Hey, what what is this Instagram disappears from Twitter? What is so that? Instagram got bought by Facebook famously last year for what a billion dollars. Right. One it, billion dollars. Because that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like 12 guys got $100 million a piece. Exactly. For making a freaking photo sharing app. Yeah, really? that's worth it. That's worth it. Oh, it just drives me nuts. Anyway, um, and so the guy at the time, the CEO guy said, yes, we're, you know, uh, Facebook bought us, but we are an independent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now... There have been some changes on the Twitter side where uh, Twitter has these things where if there's pictures in line, it'll show it as this, what they call like Twitter cards, I guess they are, is the API. Right. right. That'll show the picture in line in the tweets. Uh, Instagram removed support for Twitter cards. So now if you share to Twitter, you just get a link and it doesn't show up in the, in the, in the timeline I mean, as a picture. To what end? I mean, why? Uh, okay. Some people say it's because Twitter recently added filters to its own photo thing in its app. Okay. So? I guess it's retribution. I don't know. So they, they, they want, okay. So Twitter wants to add filters and Instagram is saying we're the filter people. And yeah, you can't filter If you start filtering too, we're going to fight back by not sharing stuff on and then somebody said that they're actually so who remo- suffers the end well, user suffers exactly and somebody That's said that stupid. they're actually removing the share to twitter function in the app in instagram yeah which to me uh, i'm done no thanks you know the, at some point this is just it's like six-year-olds fighting on the playground well over whose kickball it is and right? here, well here's the problem is that this it's you get into this thing again where you kind of wonder, okay, I just spent two years taking pictures on Instagram and then I decide not to use it anymore because of whatever stupid policies they change or whatever, right? Right. And then all your stuff is now sitting in uh sitting in this in this silo that you don't use anymore. And you know, do you yeah. have it on the other thing? Do you have it's it? It's sitting in up? Instagram's bucket. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's people start using these different apps and you start having all your information in this other thing. It, it just, it's just, it's, it's strange to me how quickly people jump from bucket to bucket and sort of forget about the stuff they put in the last one. Well, and chances are whatever bucket you're using is going to be either changed dramatically or gone completely in three to five years. Right. Which is why you should really just keep your own website and put stuff on that and then link to it. Yeah. You know, I put stuff on my blog and then I put it up on Twitter and Twitter gets sent over to Facebook and then Facebook is, you know, People can look over to it or whatever it is. But like if, if I suddenly disappear from Facebook or Facebook disappears, I don't lose all that stuff. Yeah. Or, or like some of the other people that we've talked about, you, you inexplicably get banned and your account gets shut down. Yeah, sure. Then yeah. what do you do? 
because you're, you know, you've agreed to their terms, which they can change at any time. And it is mind numbing how many people still don't understand that. Uh, but you know, they can decide to kick you out of the party and then what do you do? But I think that the Instagram thing is specifically ridiculous because, Hey, Instagram, you're a photo sharing site. If I suddenly can't share with the number two, you know, social media network in the world, because you get cranky about it, well, then I'm no longer going to use your your service. Yeah. And right? then your service isn't worth anything. Yeah. You know, so you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot. This, You know, that's sort of like when the media companies go to Google and they say, you know, you need to start paying us to put stuff in Google News or else, you know, we're going to remove stuff from Google News. And Google goes, okay, do yeah. it. Yeah. Because, you know, well, then you're going to lose I mean, half your traffic. Why would you, you know, you're you're insane. This is another rabbit hole that we we can get into another show, but it's 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 the the film industry saying to the electronics industry, you need to do this this and this, or we're not going to produce content for you. Yeah, yeah. really, really, movie industry, you're you're just not going to produce content. Go ahead. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, somebody yeah. will fill the spot. Yeah, tell tell all of these you know twenty million dollar a movie people that you just don't need them anymore. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, I just I just thought it was it's not that interesting except for the fact that we had talked about, you know, 10 15 episodes ago I started using Instagram. Well, you know what? I'm kind of done using Instagram. Yeah. Like I'll just I'm just going to start twittering my pictures and if they end up somewhere they end up somewhere, but it's like it's it, there's nothing that special about Instagram that I really need to be involved with. I'm not looking at other people's timelines in the app and I don't I don't spend my time doing that. Right. So anyway, just something to put out there. So who's our photographer of the week? Well, our photographer of the week is, uh, coincidentally, uh, Jerry Ulsman. Yay, who we talked about earlier. Who we talked about earlier. Uh, again, Ulsman, one of the pioneers of, of, of what we now take advantage of in Photoshop in, in the analog side, on the yeah. analog side. All the things you do in Photoshop, he's been doing for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. With a light bulb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> yeah. You know what he uses as a Wacom tablet? His hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so genius. Yeah, it is. Uh, he, he, is he really is amazing. Um, uh, still producing work, uh, subject to the new documentary. Um, really nice stuff. Uh, and, and the, the thing that, I mean, you had talked about his use of symmetry, which I thought was an interesting observation. A lot of his pictures are sort of mirror images left to right mm -hmm. or it's hands holding something or a very symmetrical gate or, you know, it's, it, some of them are, are literally mirror images straight down the middle. Right. Um, and then others just have a lot of that sort of element in them. He must really love symmetry. Yeah. It's also, I mean, the the kinds of things that he's doing, um, if you were going to do them in Photoshop, are the kinds of things you would do with blending modes. Yes. You know? It's all lighten or darken or overlay. Mm -hmm. It's it's in fact, if you were going to make some of the stuff he was doing and you wanted to play with it, that's the kind of stuff you need to do where it's like, Oh, here's here's a black area of this picture that I could put something else lighter right. in. Right. Because but the dark he's using is black, yeah, yeah. But he's using his hands or cardboard masks or you know whatever to to either put light or keep light from a particular area of that paper. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and he's doing it. Ugh, and you're building amazing. it up darker and darker. So the lightest stuff is first. And then, you know, you're going to have to, cause you can't lighten things after you expose it. So, right. You imagine the number of test prints he's got to do. It's, it's gotta be mind numbing work. <laughs> and this is a guy and, and, you know, you're talking to a guy who spends eight hours on a single picture too. So, yeah. But and for some for, reason, so for you going, hell no. <laughs> yeah. That's screw that. Yeah. I feel my creative process remains intrinsically linked to the alchemy of the dark room, he said. Isn't that great? Will this guy exist 10 years from now? Um, will he personally or no, his, his role? His role. Uh, you know, the unfortunate thing is um, as we get further and further down the digital path, I think his his work – impacts fewer and fewer people. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. You know, Jeffrey, uh, my work, uh, is firmly, uh, intrinsically linked to Photoshop CS one. <laughs> uh, anything after CS one is not somewhere I want to go. Uh, yeah. But I mean, is that where it's going? I, I, I don't know. I, I still know people that use Photoshop uh, seven. That's hardcore. I, I have my, my three uh, Photoshop three floppy disks still and manuals. <laughs> uh, the, the problem with like earlier Photoshops, I mean, most of the new features I don't really use all that much anyway. But, but uh, before um, uh, – what's it called? Um, so what I'm looking for. Uh, the adjustment layers. Uh-huh. I couldn't work without adjustment layers. Now – like going back to actually like hard coding. It's yeah. like going back. I remember when I was doing web design 15 years ago and there wasn't editable text in Photoshop. So if you wanted to do text in a comp or whatever it is, you were basically hard coding it into a, into a, a visual layer. You know, you basically render right. it when you, right. when you hit enter. And, and I remember like somebody goes, Oh, we need to change this word. And you're like, oh, no, you don't, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Right. And I remember when they came out with editable text and it was like, a revelation yeah you know in, in in what they were doing and in some ways uh it's it's that's what it is to me with uh with adjustment layers it's like you couldn't making me render curves and now i you know i have to keep another copy of the layer without the curves on it in case i want to go back and right yeah that's a bad time um yeah. uh if if you get a chance back to ulsman for a second if sure. you get a chance he's part of the faking it uh exhibit uh, which I think is traveling around now. Oh, is it, has it moved? I think it's in Texas. I, I, I read that somewhere and I don't remember where it was. Okay. Uh, faking it. Um, maybe. Or is it still is it still in New York? Okay, it, it is still in New York until January. Okay. But I, I, I think it is moving around. Um, seeing, seeing this and knowing that it was done in a dark room uh, is amazing. And it gets you back to some of these other people. You know, yeah. that we've talked about before on the show, which it, it all feeds into itself. It all feeds into it, each other. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, That's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that, yeah, we, we have all of these uh, tools and people are using digital people are using analog. But the, the idea is the creativity just bounces between these things. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you can't it's not that you can't do one with the other or use both. It's like they're 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 different tools to get to something new and creative. And so what's wrong with that? Right. More tools is better. Right. It's you know, and, and the thing is, is 
it kind of gets us back to gear. It's, it's Apple versus Microsoft. It's Canon versus Nikon. It's people let these tools become ideologies or, yep. or, you know, uh, religions in a sense. And yeah. it's best tool for the job. Yep. Absolutely. And whatever that happens to be, that's what you use. Yeah. Like uh, ultra pro satin paper. <laughs> Is the best tool for the printing job. I, I, I don't know. I like the San Gabriel semi-gloss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at ontakingpictures.com slash podcast. We'll get you uh, all the show notes for the episode. So you can go right. link to places. Uh, and it includes a little like sort of tip me jar where you can sign up to give Jeffrey and I like a $1 tip or a $5 tip a month if you want to do that kind of thing. Or or, or look for that, that $1 million Kickstarter thing. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, if you have any questions for us, podcast at ontakingpictures.com or on Twitter at Bill Wadman or at Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y-D-D-1-R on Jeffrey yes. and Sidoris. And, uh, and if you want to leave us a voicemail, we can use it on the air. It's uh, 347-687-9411. 687-9411. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and go go over to um, iTunes and leave us a review if you uh, are hey, so, so inclined. The, uh, speaking of which. What? Um, we have a good the, review? The iTunes. Yeah, we, we, we got – well, we've got fantastic reviews. And, and thank you – for those of you who have left reviews and ratings, uh, it, it's, it really is nice to see them. Hey, Jeffrey. Yeah. They like us. They really <laughs> they like really, us. They really, really like us. Uh, hold on. There's a, there's a review. Uh, it's, it's Statler and Waldorf. I like that one. That's my favorite one. That's the classic. Yeah. Uh, we look at uh, uh, Kay Craig, the most recent one. Yes, there's that one. Uh, totally worth the subscribe. Five stars. The combination of artistic opinion, exploration of the creative process, news, history, and maybe a little gear discussion makes for an excellent weekly listen. Listen, gentlemen, great job. That's uh, nice. That's great. That's great. I just like uh, I just like the idea that uh, people are enjoying the show. Well, and it comes across as we're just we're just talking about something that we're interested in yep you know we're not we're not playing a role we're not characters this this is we really do love this stuff <laughs> and we really do obsess over it as much as it comes across in the show speak for yourself sidoris <laughs> yeah no you're not obsessive at all <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about who are you again <laughs> Uh, yeah good stuff alright so on to next week on to next week right. thank you for listening tell your friends um, and in the meantime take more pictures take more pictures <laughs>